the Lord is here, and we come expecting to receive from the Lord. And um, the Lord brought a man uh, who hears the voice of the Lord, just like all of us have the capability of hearing the voice of the Lord. But we come expecting to receive from the Lord. So I encourage all of us to just step into that listening mode and stepping out by faith and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Uh, The first time I met Tom was in a meeting in Wisconsin. And um, that meeting was pretty amazing because a lady came out of her wheelchair who had muscular dystrophy. I'm like... Whoa, that's right there, right? Happened right there in front of my eyes. And so it's a, from that moment on, um, we begin to um, develop a relationship as time going on. And uh, he's a real man of God, has a heart for souls, a heart for people, and hears the voice of the Lord. That's important. And then I know we're going to hear from the Lord today. So I just want to welcome Tom Scarella. Bless you. Bless you. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to be with you, and it's an honor to be here. We want to say thank you to your pastors. How many of you love your pastors? Come on, put your hands together. So thank you, pastors, so much for uh, having us. Thank you so much for hosting us and and bringing us. Uh, My name is Tom Scarella. Actually, you know what? Can I get a few ushers to help me hand these out? That would be awesome. And I think there's enough for everybody. And this is just from our ministry, <clears throat> and uh, we would love to connect with you on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, all that stuff. But we've been in uh, full-time ministry now uh, um, about 37 years. I pastored about seven years, and then I got delivered, praise the Lord. And no, I'm just totally playing. I, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that, brother. And uh, <laughs> sounds like an AA meeting here this morning, right, of former pastors. Uh, so, but I started the traveling ministry back about 30 years ago. And um, uh, since that, well, I, let me back up. I pastored first for about five years in New Jersey. Those were the years of the tribulation. And then two years in California. And then from there, I, I started the traveling ministry about 30 years ago. And we've ministered in a little over 1,200 churches all over the world and uh, 49 states. I still haven't been to Alaska yet. That's the last one. And, uh, but even this December, we minister in, in Hawaii. We'll be ministering in some churches and very poor areas. And, and, but God sends us all over the place. This year, you are the 50th church that we've ministered in just this year. Yeah. So... Um, so, but we, we travel and minister. I literally just flew home from California. We ministered in California for about uh, 12 days. And then from California, then flew to Minnesota, from Minnesota all the way to Florida. And so it's good to be here with you. And uh, um, before I go ahead and, and share the word, I wanted to show you a few things. We have a book table in the back. We've written a number of different books over the years. Like Dale was just talking about, we, we wrote a whole book on hearing God's voice. How many of you want to hear God's voice better? Anybody? And so we wrote a whole book on it. It's our most popular book we've ever written. Uh, we've got other books on discipleship and revival and all of that stuff. But this one, we broke it down into the 10 most common ways God speaks to you all the time. Uh, that's out there. 
if you're a little bit more technical, um, these are USBs. I don't know if you know this or not, but January 1st, CD production came to an end in America. So it's just like the 1990s all over again when cassettes went away, CDs came in. Now CDs have gone away and USBs are all in. That's why you can't buy a car anymore without a USB player, right? And so uh, CD players, you can't get a car with one. And so all CDs are gone. And so, but if you're a little bit technical, they actually have a considerable amount more material on them. So we have eBooks, worship, uh, audio uh, conferences, as well as video. So there's video on it. So if you have a newer car or a computer or a smart TV, any of those things, it'll play on it. So we have one's called Healing School. And so we actually have miracles on there, like the one Dale was talking about, others that uh, we've had in our ministry. Um, we also have another one called Holy Spirit School. And this talks about revival and the move of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then we have another one called Prophetic School, and Prophetic School is all about hearing God's voice. Our, our manual is on there, as well as a number of other material and places that we've ministered on that topic. And then lastly, uh, we just did this one. Our newest one's called Dreams and Vision School. And so how many of you dream a lot? Raise your hand, all you dreamers out there. Okay, so... Um, so we did an entire uh, conference. There's 14 hours of just teaching on that subject, on visions and dreams and the differences and, and how God speaks. And how many of you have dreamt this even in the last week? Raise your hand. Anyone had a dream this week? Your hand went up awful fast. <laughs> and uh, so um, it's just a way by which that God speaks to us as his people. And it's a way by which that we can uh, uh, hear God's voice. And so... Um, there's a number of different things that are in there that you have to understand. There are metaphors and stuff. Sometimes you can have a healing dream, and uh, you can have what's called a transportation dream, a translation dream. Uh, I'll just give you a quick testimony. So in, in 2011, uh, we were ministering uh, in, in the Midwest, um, in Minnesota. We used to live in Fort Lauderdale. So we, we flew up there to minister in 2011. And so while we were ministering up there, I had a dream. And so in this dream, I was ministering in England, but I'd never been to England. So in the dream, I'm praying for this woman in this hospital room and stuff, but she's in a coma and she comes out of the coma, wakes up and, and she gets healed and her son is there and he gets saved in the dream. That's all I remember. So about 14 months later, we, were, we ended up getting an invitation to go minister in England. So while we we're ministering in England, we ministered in several different places. So the last place we went to go minister, my, my brain was on scramble because of the, what do you call it, jet lag. And so this man and the, his mother come into the meeting and they, they said, hey, remember us? And I'm like, no. And so the, 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 the man says he doesn't remember us. And so I'm like, brother, I've ministered in 50 some churches just this year alone. You know, there's no way I can remember you. So uh, they're like all offended. The mother's like, seriously, you came into my hospital room, you prayed for me, and I came out of a coma. And I said, when was this? And she said, 14 months ago. So it was a dream to me, but I was translated there. They saw my physical body, but I was sleeping in a hotel room in Minnesota. 
Come on, is that awesome, huh? So, so I go into detail on all of that. If you're interested, you can get that stuff at the end of the service. Lastly, before I show a quick video clip, um, if you're interested, we have a, a, a book we want to bless you, an ebook. It's free. We don't ask for money with it or anything like that. We just, our hearts are pure. We just want to bless you. If you want to pass around, put your email on there. And uh, we'll gladly bless you with a free ebook on hearing God's voice in dreams. So I think you'll enjoy that. But this is, uh, I, I want to, uh, real quick, I want to show you a short video clip, the street healing one. And I think it'll stir your heart. Watch this. Right here, like in my shoulder. Okay, so right now, all pain go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, lift it. No way. <laughs> How many times in our daily lives do we come across people who are hurting, who look like they have everything together? People we come across in the mall, on the streets, maybe just getting in and out of their cars that we don't realize God's dealing with them all along. Okay, so I just hold it just like this. So, okay, so I'll paint go right now out of your shoulder right now. So try to lift it now. A little bit to see God use them and see his hand extended through them and powerfully impact people, maybe who've never heard the gospel their whole lives. The Holy Spirit sends us to the most broken of vessels. What happened to your knee? I hurt my knees. Yeah. And he put the fear in his hand. Yeah. And I feel nothing. People want freedom. People are hungry. People are hurting. And people are looking for a demonstration of the power of God. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Hey. Do you want, do you want this? Yeah. So praise God. God's good, right? Hallelujah. That, that last girl, we had to edit that part because she was, that was in Montreal, Canada. And she dropped a few F-bombs after she got healed. So wait. We just didn't think that would go well with the church tape. You know what I'm saying? So we took the F-bombs out, all right? So bless her heart. So uh, I'm a little unorthodox, so um, I want to do this. I want to do some ministry of healing uh, to some people before I go ahead and share the message here uh, this morning. Uh, but in particular, God was speaking to me uh, this morning about someone's here that you've, you've had like whiplash or something wrong in your neck and you have this constant issue with your neck and, and, and the Lord wants to heal you. So if that's you this morning, quickly raise your hand. Thank you. Yeah, stand up, all three of you, come. Just come on down to the front. I want to minister to you. Yeah, the Lord will even heal a sound guy. How about that? Come on over here. Yeah, just come right over here. Praise God. Uh, there's two more people. You have the same thing. <clears throat> you have this thing with your neck. I don't know if you had an injury a long time ago, but it causes you a lot of issues in your neck. One of you, it even causes migraines. Yeah, there's one. And the other one? Yeah, just get in one single line. Okay, praise God. Um, somebody else, you have some nerve damage in your hands and the Lord wants to heal you. It's like a numbness. Yeah, just make one single line if you can. Yeah. All right. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Jesus. If you have that nerve damage in your hand, yeah, come, my sis. Yeah, you can't be with the neck people. You have to be with the hand people, okay? <laughs> 
Where's any neck, any hand people? You got to be on this side. <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church, trust me. All right. Praise God. God's good. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, all right, do this. Just stretch your hands toward heaven. Father, thank you right now for miracles. Lord, thank you for healing people right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing to your body. Command the pain to go. All the inflammation will leave your neck in the name of Jesus and your whole body as well. I just speak healing to you now in the name of Jesus. All the damage right now, I command it to be healed right now. Just move it. Just move it. Be healed in Jesus' name. Right now, I command the neck be healed in the name of Jesus. All pain and weakness go right now. Just move it. Just move it. Just move it. All that pain go right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. All inflammation, I command it to leave right now. In Jesus' name. I want to I promise. Pain go. Pain go. In the name of Jesus. Inflammation, I command it to go right now. Just move it. Just move it. Just move it by faith in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for healing my brother right now. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Right now, all the pressure and the pain right now, I command it to leave. Just move it. Just move it. All the pain is leaving now. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you right now for healing your people. Right now, I thank you, Lord, for healing them right now. I command the nerves to be healed by God's grace right now. In Jesus' name. God heals you right now in the name of Jesus. All pain and weakness in your body, I command it to go in the name of Jesus. I speak healing my sister. And I just speak healing over her eye as well in the name of Jesus. The Lord Jesus is healing your eye this morning. The pressure in your eye is going in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I just speak healing right now to your hands. Be healed in Jesus' name. The nerves, even the nervous thing in your whole body. The Lord sets you free of that right now. The anxiety and all of that stuff right now goes out of your body. In Jesus' name. Loose right now. In the name of Jesus. It won't come back. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, right now for healing. Right now. All the pain and the pressure and stuff in his wrists, the carpal tunnel. I command it to be healed. All of that stuff right now in the name of Jesus. Just move it. Just move your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Just do what you couldn't do. If it's your hands, move your hands. If it's your neck, move like you're cracking your neck, just move it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. A little better? A lot be if it's better, raise your hand. Let us see. Hey, awesome. Praise God. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Isn't that awesome? You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Bless you. She's okay. She's all right. She won't bother me. I'm actually used to it. So... I was, uh, many people don't know this, but um, when I was 14 years old, I had a, a neck injury. I broke my neck in a, in a wrestling accident. I was in high school wrestling, and I was just a little guy, and this kid cranked my neck, and I heard something pop, and I didn't know what it was, and I stood up to face him, and when I stood up to face him, my head fell in the middle of my chest. And I picked my head up. I was in shock, of course. And so I picked my head up, and it just fell, fell down, and, and just literally could not lift my head back up. I had no strength. And so they rushed me to the hospital, and, and doctors said, you know, you'll be crippled before you're 30, and you'll be in a wheelchair, and blah, 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 all of this. And two years later, I met Jesus, 
or he met me, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I was radically healed before I was 18 years old. And so praise God. So I was sitting there during worship, and when I was, they were leading worship, as I'm, I'm worshiping the Lord, the Lord reminds me of that whole process when I broke my neck and stuff. And then the Lord said, I want you to minister to, to people with that exact same thing. So uh, did any of you that came up for prayer for your neck, uh, did you break it? Any of them? I should have asked them when they were up here. Any of them break your neck? Oh, okay. All right. Just wondering. All right. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter uh, 5. My whole message changed during worship. <laughs> You guys did one song in there, and it was like, phew, there goes my sermon. There it goes. And so we're just going to follow the Holy Ghost, all right? So <laughs> I just saw it going in the distance, all right? Um, but Matthew chapter 5, so much stuff, the Beatitudes and everything else. But Matthew chapter 5, oh, real quick, before I go ahead and start, don't forget tonight is 6 o'clock, right? Six o'clock tonight. We're going to have a miracle service tonight. I, I want you to bring all the most sick people you know tonight and tomorrow night is seven o'clock, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, and then tomorrow morning, we're going to do an evangelism outreach at 11 o'clock and you're welcome to come. We're going to train you. We're going to super train you fast and uh, release you on a popka. Amen. Is that all right? So don't forget tonight is at what time again? Six, tomorrow morning's at 11, and tomorrow night's at 7. Okay, so, all right. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It's good for nothing. I think I've preached at that church, good for nothing, but... That's a joke. But to, the, to, but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot by men. You are the... Come on, say it out loud. You're just saying it. You are the light of the world. Is that right? Didn't you just sing that song? Right? You are the light of the world. Right? And then he says, a city set on a hill. Is that right? That cannot be hidden. Is that right? Nor do they light a lamp but they put it uh, uh, or, or and put it under a basket but on a lampstand that it gives light to all that are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father that's in heaven so what is the good works Jesus is talking about there what is the good works and so the good works are not you know feeding the poor and and, you know, washing cars and, you know, and, you know, get, you know, those are good things, but those aren't the good works in the context of what Jesus said. What are the good works that the world cannot do? What are the good works? What? Healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. Is that right? And preaching the gospel. Those are the good works that the church is called to. That's your calling. I said, that's your calling. Amen. So those are the good works Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about going and bringing someone cookies because an atheist can do that. Now, it's good to bless somebody with cookies, but that's not the good works Jesus is talking about. You understand? Because you can take a Buddhist and a Hindu and, a, and an atheist and all three of them can do that. Is that true? So it can't be what Jesus is talking about here, the good works. 
that they may see your good works. You know, in other words, don't hide the, the light that God has given you. But in other words, let it, let it shine. Is that right? Let it shine. Why? So that all can see. Now, hold your place because we're going to come back here. And because I'm just kind of laying a foundation. So go over to um, Isaiah 60. So Isaiah 60. Y'all okay this morning? Okay. So we're just going to hit some highlights here in Isaiah 60. So Isaiah 60 says this. Arise and what? Shine. Ah, uh-huh. for your light has come, right? And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Is that right? And then it says, for behold, the darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. And the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And Gentiles will come to your. Come on, shout it out loud. Ah, Okay, so Gentile, the, the word Gentiles, there's the same word as the nations. So the nations shall come to your light. Is that right? And kings will come to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, for they gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar, and your daughters will be nursed at your side. And you'll see and become radiant. Your heart will swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. Okay, so here's some dream interpretation. All right? The sea speaks of the masses of humanity. Water, usually, like water, the moving of water and stuff like that, that's a symbol of revival and the move of the Spirit. But the sea is a prophetic picture, both in the Old and the New Testament. The sea is a prophetic picture of the masses of humanity. So somebody's like, I had this dream about that. Well, now you know, right? Amen? So, uh, all right. So it says, the wealth of the nations will come to you. And uh, the, uh, the multitude of camels shall cover your land, et cetera, et cetera. Now jump all the way down to uh, verse uh, uh, 13. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together. Trees are a symbol of people. Trees are always people in the Bible. Okay. To beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will give the place of my feet, uh, I, I will make the place of my feet glorious. Also, the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you. And all of those who despise, you shall fall prostrate in uh, the folds of uh, soles of your feet. And they shall call you the. So what does Jesus say? You are the light of the world. You are a city. Amen. So what does Isaiah say? 400 years before Jesus. What does is, what is Isaiah prophesy? They're going to call you the city. Jesus, 400 years later, says, you're the city. Now, all of a sudden, you go back in, an, another 30 years later. I wasn't planning on doing this. Jesus, what am I doing? Go to Revelation. So, Revelation. Um, Uh, Revelation 21. So he was reading Revelation 5, and my mind was already going through Scripture. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) He's going to read my Scripture in a second. But Revelation 21 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Right? Okay. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, right? So what does is, what is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 say? All things have become new and old things have? Okay, just a thought. All right. So here he says, the, the earth had passed away for there was no more sea. And it says, and I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a? It was prepared as a what? So is Jesus going to marry a city? So who's, who's Jesus' bride? Somebody help me. The church. Ah, so what is John metaphorically seeing coming from God? The church. You are the city set on a hill. Come on, amen? Isaiah 60, Matthew chapter 5, Revelation 21, the city, the city, the city, the city. Amen? Come on, somebody. Amen? You're the city. You're the city on the hill that's set to begin to give light. Is that right? Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and blah, 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 blah. And verse 5, he says, I make all things new. And he said to me, verse 6, it is done. Sounds like Jesus said that on the cross. Uh, You keep on going down to verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain. So the angel carries him to this mountain prophetically. And he showed me the, the great city. The what? The holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Amen. So, in other words, this city, now, just, just go with me for a minute. Just play, just play with me for a minute, okay? Just put your rapture parachutes away for a few minutes, all right? But just for a couple of minutes, what if, okay, what if this holy city, that's the exact dimensions of the width and the length and the height are all the same, right? Isn't that what it says? Okay, right? So, anyone know mathematics pretty good? <laughs> At least they're telling the truth, right? Okay. In, in, uh, in mathematics, if you ask a, a teacher and a, a professor in a university, if something is equal with the length and the width and the height, what do you call that? He said, we call it perfection. So the length is the same as the width is the height. And so God calls the church perfection that's his bride come on amen is that awesome huh perfection that's what god says right so just kind of a thought so now go back with me to matthew chapter 5 i know i'm giving you a little word workout here but so the church you are the light you are the city everyone say i'm the light i'm the city but then he gives a precaution jesus gives this precaution and he says listen He says, you can't take a light and put it under a a bushel. Is that right? And and this is where we are right now in in the church right now. Here's where we are as the church right now. Is that the church has hidden its light under the bushel of politically correctness and wokeism. Come on, somebody. And it's covering the light of the church. And the power of the gospel is being hindered, come on somebody, all over America because of the bushel of politically correctness. 
Are you with me? Come on, somebody. So now I, I just I shot a video uh, uh, for our YouTube channel, uh, actually just this morning, <laughs> because uh, many of you know that the TV show Friends, Matthew Perry just died last night. Okay. And so he died, he drowned, right? But he had struggled with drug addiction all through his career, right? But many people didn't know this, that he had an encounter with Jesus. And one of the last things that he wrote was his testimony, how he finally found truth is only found in Christ. Come on. Is that awesome? Hallelujah. Amen. But it took somebody that went and had boldness that was willing to take their light out from underneath the opinions of man, the fear of man, the, the politically correctness of man, and he took it out from underneath the bushel of wokeism in America and the threat of being shut down on Facebook or something. Right? And they took, somebody took it out and shared the gospel. You know, a hundred years ago, uh, uh, Gandhi went and saw, he, he met John G. Lake. He said, I wished I met you 10 years before. He said, I've never met a real Christian till right now. That's what he told him. He said, I wish I met you 10 years before, you know. And, and I think of that, how many times people are looking for the raw gospel. Come on, somebody. They, they don't want a watered-down, you know, candy-coated, powdered bottom, all of that stuff. They want just truth. The world is looking for truth. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. And that's where the power of the gospel is. The power of the gospel is not in politically correctness, but the power of the gospel is in truth. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The light. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness comprehends it not. Is that right? The light shines in the darkness. You know, Jesus said, listen, there's going to come a day that they're going to kill you thinking they're doing a good thing. You look right now in Israel. They're beheading babies. Old people in nursing homes. They literally are dragging them out. They literally have uh, hundreds of children lined up and chained to each other under the age of three, waiting to be beheaded. This is not, you know, thousands of years ago, right now. And we have members of our government that are terrified to say anything politically about it. And many churches have done the exact same thing. Come on, somebody. I mean, I don't care what side of the aisle you stand on. You've got to look at that and say, that's beyond wicked. To, to just go in and just slaughter people by the, th by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds like that. Isn't that just barbaric? Come on, somebody. And so people are looking for truth. They're looking for honesty. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. I, that, I'm all, I'll get off my pulpit there for a second. All right. So, okay. So go back with me to, to Matthew 5, because Matthew 5 says this in verse 13. You are, so he starts off with, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, just for a second, go to 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. 2 Kings 
um, chapter 2. So as you go to 2 Kings chapter 2, here's kind of my story. Uh, if you can't tell it, probably by my accent, I'm from the north, and so I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> I try to hide it, but it kind of comes out. And uh, so, uh, but I, I grew up, I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, uh, raised there. And at the age of three, my parents divorced as a little boy. And it did something to my heart. It did something that broke my heart as a little boy. And so, always looking for that father, father figure and stuff. My mother remarried when I was nine, and we moved to the country. And so we moved way out in the middle of the country. But I was a city boy at heart, and so here I am way out in the country, and it just stirred up anger on the inside of me. So I was just full of anger and bitterness and all of this stuff. And I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up in a church like this. I grew up in a Lutheran church. In Minnesota, we have more Lutherans than people. <laughs> and some of you will get that joke driving on the way home. Ah, that's what he I get that joke. And Dale and Lalani can attest to that. We call everything a Lutheran in Minnesota. Dogs, cats, chickens, whatever. <laughs> All right. So, so, so I grew up in this Lutheran church. And so, um, but when I was 16 years old, I, it was getting, I was getting out of control. And I was starting to dabble with witchcraft and, and all kinds of foolishness and even Buddhism and stuff. Just looking into all kinds of different things. And so when I was 16, God, uh, uh, God spoke to a man about 100 miles away from Fargo, North Dakota, to come to my little town and to uh, um, uh, start a Bible study for teenagers. And he's like, God, I don't even like teenagers. <laughs> Much less do I want to go to a little country town and start a Bible study. I don't want to do it. I'm not the right guy, you know. And he was, you know, he had a college ministry and all of this stuff. And so the Lord said, go to this town, start this Bible study. So he starts this Bible study for teenagers. And about a dozen kids got saved almost right away. And so I began to persecute them because I didn't know, Right. And so in the midst of it, about, uh, they were maybe two months old in the Lord, these young believers, and uh, they started to pray for the worst sinner in their high school. <laughs> you can read the underlying current here, all right? You can put it, fill in the blanks, all right? So they start praying for the worst sinner in their high school, and the youth pastor says, in seven days, they'll be saved, you know? So that was on a Wednesday, and so on Saturday, I was in another town getting in trouble, of course, and um, so I'm in this other town getting in trouble, and one of my friends said, hey, I know there's a place where we can go where there's girls and free video games. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the brightest bull, but I'm like, let's go, man, you know? And so I'm 16 years old, so we go to the, unbeknownst to me, it's in the basement of a church. So I don't know that, right? So I get there. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. This is a church. And they're like, yeah, it's in the basement. It's not cool. It's, there's nobody here and stuff. So I'm like, okay. So I'm walking across the street, and this young man who had just been saved about six weeks, two months at the most, he walks up to me, and he doesn't know how to evangelize. So he just wants to give truth. And so he just, I know him from school. I, I knew the kid. 
So he walks across the street to shake my hand. So he shakes my hand. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, good. He says, Tom, I'm here to tell you something. God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. But, you know, excuse me. He said, this is how he said it. He said, <laughs> he goes, uh, he shakes my hand and he goes like this. He says, Tom, you're going to hell. Pray this prayer. I was like, holy crap. That was really rough, man. I mean, I mean, just like ball peen hammer ministry, you know, just bang, you know. And I just got radically saved. I started shaking under the power of God in the middle of the street. And I felt all those years of anger just drain out of me into the ground. Come on, somebody. And I felt the presence of God. And I was radically, radically saved and stuff and, and just following Jesus. And I got in trouble with the Lutheran pastor and and, and I, because I, I went from, you know, in the world, I, just a rebel, you know, into becoming a radical for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, uh, and so th- this was my life. This is my life, you know. And, and so uh, I wait and I'm preaching about Jesus and healing. And, and, and I told you already about my neck getting healed and stuff. And so uh, in the midst of all of this, I said, hey, listen, I want this Holy Ghost thing you guys got. This tongue saying, I want this, whatever, it's, whatever it is, right? And so they go, well, we got it. A guy came from Fargo. You got to go to Fargo. That's where the Holy Ghost lives. <laughs> so I thought, well, I live here. He lives over there. That sounds about normal, you know. But they're all baby Christians. They don't know how to explain anything, you know. And so, uh, so I went and I said, oh, okay. And so I'm begging my parents to let me go to Fargo because that's where the Holy Ghost lives. So I want to go to Fargo. And my parents are like, no, no way. We don't like this whole Bible, Jesus, none of this stuff. So they shut me down for about three months. So I kept begging them and begging them and begging them and stuff. And I kept praying, God, do a miracle, do a miracle. So three months later, I was allowed to go to this Assembly of God church on a Sunday night. And so I went on the Sunday night. I'm like, God, the moment he says Holy Ghost, I'm in the altar. <laughs> if he just says Holy Ghost, I'm there in the altar. All right, I don't care. Right? And uh, I was just so hungry for the baptism of the Spirit. And so I went and, and I just sat literally through the whole service like this, just waiting for Holy Ghost. If he would have said, Holy smokes, it's hot in here, I would have already been in the, I've already would have been down there for the baptism, right? And so. I went, and, uh, and so I'm just like waiting for this guy to say Holy Ghost. And so he finishes the sermon and he calls people to be saved. I'm like, well, I already got that. <laughs> so I'm like, when's he going to say this Holy Ghost thing, you know? And so then pretty soon I'm getting discouraged. My friends are like, just chill. He'll call it, you know? And so then he says, if you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost, come. I mean, phew, I was down there. And this is like 1,500 people in this church, you know? And uh, I ended up, uh, I was reading Kenneth Hagin's books about faith and stuff like that. And so I just kept saying out loud, God, the second they lay hands on me, I'm going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what I told the Lord. I said, the second they lay hands on me, I'm going to be an easy one to get filled with the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Amen. But what was that? That was spiritual hunger. Amen. Everyone say spiritual hunger. Okay, so... So here regarding salt, okay, so in, in 2 Kings, it, it goes and it tells this story in 2 Kings uh, 2.19, the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation in this city is, 
is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water's bad and the ground is barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl. And he says, put salt in it. Put salt in it. And they brought it to him, and he went to the source of the water. He cast salt in the water and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water, and from it there shall be no more death or barrenness. And it says, and so the water remains healed even to this day, according to the word of Elisha. Come on, right? So what did the water do way back then? It healed. Is that right? So here Jesus brings up salt in these scriptures. And what does Jesus say? You are the salt of the earth. He says, you're salt. But he says it like this. But if the salt loses, loses what? It's flavor. How shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Now, we see it in a couple of other places, too. We see it in um, Mark 9. You can see it in Mark 9, a little bit different, but very, very similar. In Mark 9, he says it like this. Uh, I had it right there. There it is. Verse 49, for everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. And then he says, salt is good. Everyone say, salt is good. good. Right? And he says, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Now, Luke says it again in Luke 14. Now, there's few few teachings of Jesus that transcend all four gospels, excuse me, all four gospels. and, And very few of them transcend three of the gospels. So this is what's called the synoptic gospels. But in, in Luke 14, it says it like this in verse 34. Salt is what? Good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how can it be seasoned? Right? It's neither fit for the land or for the dunghill, but it's thrown out. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? So here Jesus brings this whole thing up. What does he say? Listen, the salt, if it loses its saltiness, if it loses the whole reason it's salt, it's good for nothing. And that's where we are right now as the church. Many people ask me, we have churches who, who contact us and ask us, what do you see? What's going on in the church in America? The church has lost its saltiness. The church has lost its saltiness. I mean, before the whole COVID lockdowns and stuff, right? I mean, before that whole thing took place three years ago, the church had already, by then, had sold its soul to a seeker-sensitive slop. The church had already sold out. It had already taken away the lamp. It had taken away anything that would be offensive at all to anybody with saltiness in it. The church took it out. They took the blood of Jesus out of the songs, the cross out of the songs, the cross out of the church, any repentance out of the church, all of it. It just, it just ripped it completely out, just gutted it. And then all of a sudden, boom. A virus that kills less than 0.04% shut the world down. 0.04, not 4%, 0.04%. That's the real numbers. And so just think about that. That's crazy, huh? But just think about it like this. Here, literally, about 30 to 40% of the church of Jesus Christ has been shut down across America since 2020. Massive numbers, massive, in the thousands, not hundreds, 
thousands of churches have shut their doors forever. There was a, a, a church, a seeker-sensitive church in Portland that went and and they were, you know, well, we're going we're gonna to police everybody. Don't go to church, you know, six feet apart. You can sit next to each other on a plane, but six feet apart before you get on the plane. That's somehow logical. But <sighs> then the virus knows better. And you can eat, but, you know, just put the mask on afterwards because the virus won't spread while you're eating. And Anyways, uh, that's another story for another day. But, but you think of all of this stuff that has gone on. Okay, so, so let me get back to Portland. So in Portland, there was a church of about 5,000. Seeker-sensitive church. They were policing everybody. They were turning Christians in who were going to church to pray. and they, Anything. They were doing it. But this is where they were, right? Because they, were, they had lost their saltiness. Totally lost it. And a, a friend of ours, he said, Go ahead, throw us in jail. They're Russian. So they're like, I don't care. (laughs) He's like, my grandfather was sent to Siberia. Go ahead, throw me in jail. We're having church. Right? Come on, right? That's what they said. We're having church. Right? And so uh, this other church was calling the police and stuff like that. And get, get this. After the governor went and released all the churches to come back open again, the guy with 5,000 opened the doors, and that Sunday there were 11 people in church. So he went and he called all of his leaders and people in the church and said, hey, why, where are you? How come you're not here? And they said, we went to a church where they had a real man of God. When you were afraid... And all of us were afraid, and we looked to you to be our man of God. You were as fearful as us. So we went to find a man of God that wasn't afraid. (laughs) Is that amazing, huh? So literally, that 5,000-member church closed down, and the pastor emptied the bank account and came and gave it to my friend. And he said, we're so ashamed, we're leaving, and we're moving to Florida. (laughs) So you inherited him, all right? So... Is that terrible, huh? But, Jesus, if the salt loses its flavor, can I, can I get the gal on the keyboard to help? Can you help me? That'd be great. So, if the salt loses its flavor, many people have lost their fire. They lost the passion that they once had for Jesus. That song that you were doing earlier, um, what's it called again? Um, the Heart of Worship. Yeah. So she was doing that song, The Heart of Worship, and I was sitting there thinking about this. Kind of what God was speaking to me about, if the salt loses its flavor, the salt loses it. And then she sang that song. Now, many people don't know that song. They just think it's a song. But they don't know. In 1994, there was a revival in England. The pastor had gone to Pensacola, excuse me, had gone to uh, Toronto, and the Holy Spirit touched him. And he went back. He was a vicar of an Anglican church and revival broke out in this Anglican church and everybody's shouting and praising God and falling under the power and drunk in the spirit. And they were having church every night. And so in the midst of it, his worship leader, Matt Redman tells a story that he said, all the musicians made it about the music and and about this light show and everything else. 
So one day the pastor got up in the, in the midst of these revival meetings. He said, no more, no more. All you musicians, go sit down. Go sit down. We're going to do it like they did it in the Bible days. We're going to do it a cappella. Until we get our attitudes right. And so for three months, they had no, no, no instruments, not, not one. Not one instrument, just a cappella, right? And so Matt Redman got up and, uh, excuse me, the, the, the pastor said after three months, he said, Matt, you can do one song with your guitar. He said, Matt, make it count. And Matt stood up there and tears were running down his face. And he said, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've made it because it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. Matt had lost his saltiness, but in the presence of God, God was breathing back into Matt. And that repentant heart in, in Matt's heart, he went and he said, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to get my fire back, to get my passion back. I used to bring people to church. Now I never bring people to church. I lost my passion. I lost my fire. I used to win souls. I don't do that anymore, Matt was saying. He said, I used to weep in the presence of God. And now I'm more concerned about how I look and how the music sounds. And he said, but Lord, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's really, truly all about you. And that's where we are here this morning. Now, I had a whole message. I was going to talk about miracles and stuff. But the moment she sang that song, it all switched. <laughs> because if the salt, listen, if the salt has lost its saltiness, it's good for nothing. And that's many believers' lives. They haven't felt God's presence. They'll go and they'll, they'll watch a movie on television. And they'll cry, they'll cry and cry. And then all of a sudden, they come to church and they just pop their gum. Bored with Jesus Christ. Bored, totally bored. Totally, completely bored. They walk in and they say, what time does it get over with? Are you with me? You never go to a movie and say, what time is it getting over? Never. I mean, you'll sit there and you'll drink so much Coca-Cola till your appendix bursts. And you won't go to the toilet one time. I'm going to sit here if I have to pee my pants. I paid $12 for this ticket. Eh? You understand? But people come to church and what time is this over with? Gosh, come on. Why? Because there's no salt. And if there's no salt, there's no fire. There's no passion. There's no heart. No matter what is sung, no matter what is preached, Jesus Christ himself could walk in and it wouldn't make a difference because there's, they have nothing for him. They have everything for the world. And that's why I believe that the Lord is turning. Amen? And that's what I believe God's saying today. God's saying he loves the church. He loves the church. He sees it as beautiful and perfect, but it's time for the church to beautify herself. It's time for the church to say, hey, wait a minute. Let me look inside. Have I lost my saltiness? Have I lost some of my passion? It's time for me to come back to the heart of worship.
falling in his presence, bringing sick people to church. Come on, somebody. Winning lost souls, feeding poor people, all of that stuff. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Where we begin to get out of ourselves and just loving on ourselves. I'm telling you, this whole thing with Matthew Perry this morning really, really ministered to me because all of the money he had, all the fame he had in modeling and, and, and uh, television, movies, it didn't matter in the end. It was hollow. It was empty because there was no salt. And so what, was he, what did he have to do? He had to come all the way back to the cross. Amen. So Father, today in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you thanks right now that you are good. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you are the gift of life to this world. You're the gift of life to Apopka. You're the gift of life to Florida. You're the only life that they'll ever feel. They can have all the money in the world, all the fame in the world, and all the accolades of man, but in the end, it's hollow, it's empty, it's stale. It's stale bread. And Lord, still people are looking for truth hour. God, we give you thanks for that right now. And Lord, today, if there are people here who don't know you, Lord, I pray you'll, you'll touch their heart and they'll come to salvation this morning. If you're here this morning, if you've never been born again, never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to do this. I want you to boldly raise your hand if that's you. You want to be born again for the first time or give your life to Christ. Quickly raise your hand if there's anyone if that's you. I don't know how we're going to exactly do this, but I just feel this burning in my heart here this morning. If the salt loses its flavor. Some of you, I'm just going to be blunt. You've, I love you, and I love this church, but some of you have lost your saltiness. I'm just telling you, I'm just going to say it. All right. Some of you, lost, you had it, but you lost it. And you have to say, Jesus, I want it back have a gut check this morning. I want to come back to that place. I want to come back to that fire that once burned. If that's you this morning, I won't embarrass you, but if that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. You just say, Tom, that's me right now. Come on, quick, right now, all over the house. I've lost some of my passion. I've lost some of my fire. Come on, son. Then if you raise your hand or should you raise your hand, just stand to your feet. Just come on down to the front. Quick. 